Hey, good morning, everybody. Hope we're uh, doing all right this morning. It's, it's been a great day so far and just really a great morning. And I'm excited to be here. I love worshiping with my Outlook family. Um, I'm excited about this opportunity that I've been given to preach. Uh, when Rob asked me to do this a, a couple weeks ago, I was pretty, uh, pretty pumped and uh, just what I get to share today. And on top of that, uh, my dad was here for service, so that was pretty cool. Uh, many of you know just how much of a, a mentor and an influence he's been to me, uh, especially when it comes to preaching and just doing ministry in general. I want to tell you a story. Uh, it was about 10 years ago, and I was given the opportunity to lead worship at my alma mater, New Hebron Christian School in, in Robinson, Illinois. I went there kindergarten through eighth grade, and uh, in this particular instance, all of the area churches were gathering together for something called a Fifth Sunday Rally. And they would come together to worship, but to also support the school. And they asked me to come back and lead worship. And on top of that, they had asked my dad to come and preach. And that evening, he preached a sermon that has forever remained etched in my memory called What's Right with the Church. And so today, I just, I just want to say that a lot of what you're going to hear is based on what I heard 10 years ago, and I'm really excited for the opportunity. When I was in college, I was a weekend student minister for about 18 months. It was a dark time in life. God bless our student ministers. Oh, amen to that. But I thought, um, you know, I'll give it a shot, get my uh, feet wet in ministry. And so I was ministering at a small town rural church in Illinois. And on this particular Sunday, I was given the chance to lead worship, and I had not uh, led worship a whole lot up until that point, um, but I was appreciative of the opportunity. And if you know anything about um, small rural um, churches, uh, sometimes they can be known as, as set in their ways, and that includes the order of service as well. Um, the order of service is a specific order, and you don't deviate from that until I lead worship. So that particular morning, in the very middle of the worship service, a gentleman stood up and said, hey you, those conversations never end well, said, hey you, you're messing it up, you went out of order, you forgot communion and offering. So in the middle of the worship service, we had a, a little conversation with about 70 other people listening in. And it was fine, the, you know, the, we worked through it, the worship service went on without a hitch, souls were saved, it was great, it was a great day. Now this was the same gentleman who had come up to me uh, when I would wear leather sandals on Sunday morning, and he would literally step on my toes and grind them into the ground. The first time he did it, I thought, oh, <laughs> this guy's kind of funny. The second, third, fourth, so on and so after, I'm like, I don't think he likes me wearing sandals to church. He was a gem of a man. Um, and I'll say I have met some gems in my years of ministry. No one like that here. Just let me be straightforward. But despite that, I still love the church. Man, I do. I, I love the church. I know I'm biased because I grew up in the church. I have forever friends because of the church. I've grown in my relationship with Jesus. I'm so thankful for 
the various ministers and elders and Sunday school teachers and uh, youth sponsors uh, throughout the years that have influenced and mentored me. I can't say enough good about the church. But I can be critical of the church. Uh, Maybe you can too. I can be critical. And I think it's okay to admit that the church is not perfect, right? We know that. The church is not perfect. In fact, you really don't have to look very hard to find articles or social media posts or books on the church's dysfunction and and, and conflict and, and what takes place. We're human, so we're fallen, right? We fight, we hurt each other, we can be mean, we see churches split. We hear disheartening accounts of, uh, of really serious things like sexual misconduct or, or embezzling church funds, racism, misogyny, the list goes on and on. My dad told me that when I decided to go into vocational ministry, he and mom were not super ecstatic about that decision. Uh, they were proud, for sure, but they, they weren't all that pumped because they had been in ministry a long time and They knew just how difficult it can be in the church at times. From time to time, I'll hear people talk about getting back to the ways of the New Testament church. You know, we need to get back to the New Testament church. We need to get back to the basics. Uh, You know, that'll fix everything. Well, if you look in your Bible, here's what we read about the New Testament church. People lied about giving. There were squabbles and division. There was greed, idolatry. There were leaders that disagreed so much that they parted ways. Incest, the rich oppressing the poor, favoritism, family dysfunction, doctrinal errors. There were lawsuits among believers. Yet that church turned the world upside down. Jesus said, it's my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The New Testament church must have done something right. When the Apostle Paul writes to them, he addresses a lot of wrong. Uh, A lot of his words are are very corrective. But overall, he has this foundation of optimism. He's realistic, but yet he's positive. And I think the bottom line is this. It's Jesus' church, and hell will not win. The church of today has a lot of issues. To be sure, we can admit that. But she's also doing something right. In fact, I would argue that the church is getting a lot of things right. So I just want to share a few thoughts from the Bible this morning about what's right with the church. The first is this, the church is a family. When Jesus spoke to his followers, he said, You are my household, you are my brothers and sisters. God is our Father, the church is a family. And the thing about families, if you've noticed, is you don't always get to choose your relatives. We're given fathers and mothers and brothers, sisters, weird, awkward uncles. We don't have a choice in it. Grandpas, too. (laughs) We don't. We don't have a choice in it, yet we're called to love them. And if we're honest, if we were given the choice, we might choose different relatives, but we also need to take that a step further. You know, if I'm honest, I may have some family members that would not choose me if given the opportunity. So not only do we not choose our relatives, but family changes from time to time, right? 
Divorce takes place, there's remarriage, there's death of a loved one. Siblings grow apart, we get irritated with our family, we get hurt by our family, yet we are still a family. And we're a part of each other. And the church is the same. God's desire is not for us to find a perfect church. Let me say that again. God's desire is not for us to find a perfect church. His desire is for us to love each other in spite of our imperfections. And that's the genius of God and his church. He brings a group of people together, a group that maybe wouldn't hang out or socialize on the weekends together, but but he brings them together and he says, love one another, serve one another, teach, admonish one another, put up with each other. Your family. By the way, love the world while you're at it. Sometimes it sounds impossible, right? But not with the Holy Spirit. Not with this gift that we've all been given. The Holy Spirit that guides us, that leads us and and provides for us. Somehow, we find a way. Our Outlook worship team often speaks of of being a family. Because that's what we are. I, I think we would all admit that. Have we had our issues over the years? Our disagreements? You bet. Absolutely. But we are bonded together in Christ. That is our foundation. And for someone like myself who doesn't have my my family of origin um, nearby, the worship team has become my family. And I can't fully express just how much each and every worship team member has meant to me and Krista and my kids. We've cried together. We have shared laughs together. Let me tell you, we have shared some laughs together, if you only knew. (laughs) We've held each other accountable. We've lived life together. And the main word is together. We are a family. And to each one, I just have to say thank you. Thank you for just all the love that has been poured out over these last 12 and a half years. I've seen the church get this family dynamic right again and again. We see people praying for each other. We see people rejoicing together. We see people grieving together. We see mature Christians mentoring new ones. We've seen addictions overcome because of the church. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen relationships healed. It's not always perfect, but it's good. There's an old hymn that says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Not only are we a family, but the church is also a body. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul tells us that we were all baptized into one body. He says all of us, not just some, but all of us. And Paul continues to say that the various parts of our body, they cannot say, I don't need you. He's very clear. We cannot say we don't need other believers. We cannot say we don't need the body of Christ. And I'm talking about the EGRs among us. Anybody know what an EGR is? Extra grace required? I'm talking about the annoying person, talking about the awkward dude, 
talking about that guy who stepped on my toes and interrupted me in the middle of my worship service. God's worship service. We need each other. We do. We need each other, all of us. Listen, if my arm gets mad at me, okay, and it, maybe it's feeling neglected, maybe it starts to pout a little bit, it says, you know what, I'm done, and it cuts itself off, well, my whole body is going to suffer, right? I, mean, I can't play guitar with one hand, but think about that, that one hand, that, that arm. It's going to suffer a whole lot more. In fact, being disconnected from the body, it's going to die. The body of Christ suffers when an individual member cuts himself or herself off. But I would argue that the individual member suffers more. And sadly, I've seen it. Faith begins to fade. We can become jaded or calloused. I'm telling you, the church is a body, and there is life within her. The Holy Spirit sustains her. She's this living organism, and it's good. Personally, I've walked through some difficult seasons here at Outlook. Many of you have have heard me share about those seasons uh, time and time again. And I can't imagine making it through those times without the body of Christ. When I came to Outlook, my mom had passed away six months prior. You all, yeah, you helped me heal. Yeah. You guys have heard me and Krista talk about, why did I make two examples that are like really heavy? (laughs) It's all good. But I think this is important. You know, you, you all have heard me uh, talk about Krista and I just struggling through infertility for a time, and you all walked alongside us. In fact, a really cool story. The Lord placed us in a small group during that season of our life. And that small group, every single person, every single married couple, except for one, was walking or would eventually walk through the exact same struggle. Looking back, it's exactly where God needed us to be. We were walking together, we were ministering together, hurting, healing together, mourning, rejoicing together. We were together. And we had a front row seat to the extraordinary work of the body of Christ, his church. I would argue that you cannot go it alone as a Christian, at least not very well not to its fullest. You cannot be isolated in your relationship with Jesus. We need each other. We need the body of Christ, the church. And maybe that's a message that we really need to spread today, that we all need to hear, especially in the midst of a very real and ongoing global pandemic. I mean, isolation and loneliness, they are killing us. So let me encourage you, don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. Find your place in the body of Christ, wherever that might be. And watch Jesus be glorified in you and in his church. We're a family and we're a body, but we're also a witness to the world. The church is a witness. Think about this. As the church, God has chosen to reveal himself through us to the world. Isn't that crazy? It's mind-blowing. It really is. If, if you think, of, think about it, we have been charged with representing 
this perfect God to the world as his imperfect people. It, it really just blows my mind. But unfortunately, this is also where people can become jaded at times. Because sometimes the church doesn't represent Christ well. I, I think we all can admit that. In fact, let me give you a few examples. Have you ever driven by a church building um, and they have one of those signs, one of those marquees out front, and they put these little inspirational sayings? You guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've, you've seen some online. Man, I'll drive by. Most of the time, I just cringe. I'm like, oh, good grief. Oh, I know I'm part of the body, the family of God. These are my brothers and sisters, but good grief. And I couldn't help myself today, and I just had to share a few inspirational church signs with you. Number one, tweet others as you would like to be tweeted. It's actually pretty good advice. It really is. It's pretty good. All right, second sign. Having trouble sleeping, try one of our sermons. Hmm. Yeah. So these, uh, these next two are from the same church, and I'm going to guess that a dad with a lot of dad jokes came up with these. Next one. With all this rain, we need an ark. Fear not, wait for it. We know a guy. It's bad. It's bad. Gets worse. Next one. Genesis 1-3, teenager version. And God said, let there be light, and it was lit. I don't think the kids say that anymore, but it was a really cool sign back in the day. Um, as a father of three young boys, this one kind of hits close to home. Here we go. Finally, brothers, aim for perfection, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Yes, those are urinals. That is a bathroom, a men's bathroom. I hope I don't get fired in my last couple days here for that. Uh, that church sign, just uh, it's a little off target. Sorry. Sorry, a couple more. This is a church in Philadelphia. Bible quiz. How many verses in the Bible are about eagles and patriots? Eagles 33, patriots 0. It's pretty good. That's the only thing I'm going to say about football today, all right? Just... <sighs> Finally, the last one. It's really great landscaping. The sign says, blah, 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 just go to church. I mean, I, th I think you're just mailing it in at that point. Listen, we can cringe, we can laugh or, or whatever. But, oh man, I got to tell you, there, there's sometimes we, we really don't get this right. We have to admit that the church is not always the best witness. I've worked in the church for about 18 years or so, and I've seen some of the ugliness. I've seen the displays of hypocrisy and judgmentalism, people claiming to, to know Christ but not looking like him much at all. Thing is... I've experienced it, but I'm also a part of it. We're all a part of it. I mean, we're all a mixture of a little good and bad, and it's probably why we see that in the church. It can be a mixture of good and bad. But here's the thing. Here's what I want us to hear this morning. In spite of all that, in spite of the lamest of church signs or anything else, people are still finding and following Jesus. They are. That's what counts. 
His, his light is still shining and being reflected. People are being discipled. Ministry is taking place. Man, chains are being broken. True freedom is being experienced. Somehow, some way, it works. It's as if God knows what he's doing. Composer Igor Stravinsky once wrote a new piece of music that contained a very difficult violin passage. After several weeks of rehearsal, the solo violinist came up to him and said he could not play it. He had given his best effort but found the passage too difficult, even unplayable. Stravinsky replied with these words, I understand that. What I am after is the sound of someone trying to play it. And maybe that's what God is up to when it comes to the church and her witness. It's like he's saying, hey, I know you can't do it perfectly. You cannot fully embody my son to the world. I get that, but I want you to try. I want you to try. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is the verse about how God's power is made perfect in our weakness. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. That's why we bring all that we are. We bring our hurts. We bring our scars, our mess. We bring our, our weakness. And then we watch God unleash his power as we witness to the world. And because of the church's witness, the church is making a difference. She really is. It's true, the church changes lives. Studies have actually shown that churchgoers are often better citizens, better at community involvement, more generous, more active in social programs. In 2016, a Harvard School of Public Health professor wrote a USA Today op-ed piece entitled, Religion May Be a Miracle Drug. And he begins with this quote. If one could conceive of a single elixir to improve the physical and mental health of millions of Americans at no personal cost, what value would our society place on it? The author goes on to outline the mental and physical health benefits that are correlated with regular, regular religious participation. <clears throat> and for most Americans, uh, that means engaging with your church. Attending church, even to the extent of reducing mortality rates 20 to 30% over a 15-year period. Those who attend regular services are more optimistic. They have lower rates of depression, a greater purpose in life, less likely to divorce, more self-controlled. The church changes lives. And the church has made a significant impact in our world over the years. She has helped to start hospitals, colleges and universities. The church was instrumental in the abolition of slavery in England. Because of the church, we have the Salvation Army, Habitat for Humanity, child labor laws have been enacted, natural disaster relief, Christian counseling, children's homes, nursing homes, orphans are being adopted, foster parenting is taking place, benevolent ministries and missionaries are being prayerfully and financially supported because of the church. Students are going to Christian camp to CIY move. Churches are being planted in the slums and impoverished neighborhoods. The list goes on and on and on. Let me tell you about a difference maker right here at Outlook, Bev Fudge. She's our worship arts ministry assistant. And she's one of the greatest servants you'll ever find at Outlook Christian Church. 
Yeah, Bev is, is great. She does a ton behind the scenes, week in and week out for our church. If you're a fan of the show The Office, you may recall in season three where Dwight K. Schrute is fired from Dunder Mifflin and he goes to work at Staples instead. And during his absence, the rest of the office staff quickly realizes that Dwight did a lot of things behind the scenes and they weren't getting done. From watering the plants to neatly arranging the toys on Michael's desk in a pleasing way, to quote season three. I'm not gonna compare Bev to Dwight Schrute. I'm not gonna do that to her this morning. But I will say she willingly and wholeheartedly takes on a mountain of tasks, often behind the scenes, often unnoticed. And it makes such a difference to so many. Let me tell you something that she started during the pandemic. Bev took it upon herself to make a difference for our shut-in and med medically compromised individuals who could not attend on Sunday. And these were often the same folks who, who had no means to stream our worship services. So after the service each week, Bev would create an audio CD of the, of the service, as well as a printed document complete with worship lyrics, sermon notes, highlights of the, of the day, funny things that happened. She would pull still images from the video and insert them into this document. And all of this she has done without being asked and without any recognition. She is simply making a difference by keeping this group engaged and connected to Christ and his church. I love Bev. If you know, you know. I love Bev. I love so many people here. And I love the church because she's making a difference. She really is. You all are making a difference. And I believe that the church is having such an impact because the church is for everyone, right? The church is for everyone. I love that. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, come, and he says it to all, even if you feel unacceptable or, or if you feel less than. The church is for everyone, no matter your past, no matter your present, or even what's to come. I love how Outlook has, has said, and, and we say this often, I hear Rob say this a lot in his messages, we're a church full of imperfect people seeking to follow Jesus. It's really what it boils down to. One of my favorite ministries here uh, is Celebrate Recovery. It takes place on, on Monday nights up in our student loft at, at 7 o'clock. And Ian and Meredith Kelly, uh, along with other outlookers, have just poured themselves into this ministry over the years, providing a safe and welcoming environment for people who are actively working on their herds, habits, and hang-ups. A great ministry is taking place every Monday night upstairs in the loft. And it's a ministry that reminds us the church is for everyone. Let me tell you about Susan Hall. She was here for service. Miss Susan, that's who my kids call her. Before I came to Outlook, the Lord laid upon her heart the need to care for and minister to some of our elderly folks. And they're known as the Prime Timers group. Susan is dearly loved by this group. She calls on them. She takes them to appointments. She prays. She encourages them. 
She, takes, uh, she provides meals for them, and she even invites the staff along, which is great. The list goes on and on. Susan knows that the church is for everyone, regardless of age, and she exhibits the love of Christ so well. And those are just two examples. Good grief, I could stand up here all day and give you example after example of so many here at Outlook that are reminding us the church is for everyone. In the book of Revelation, we're told of a great feast yet to come. A great feast in eternity where people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue and language will come. And we will gather and we will celebrate a wedding feast with Jesus. And what a celebration that will be. And that image brings me to my last observation this morning. The church is Jesus' bride. We are Christ's. We are his beloved. Jesus is the perfect bridegroom because he does everything right. He is the perfect husband who loves his imperfect bride. And he loves her in a way that only he can love her. But as we've observed this morning, Jesus' bride is not always perfect. In fact, she can be selfish and downright unfaithful at times. You know, people will say, I love Jesus, but not his church. I love Jesus, but that bride, gross, she's boring, hypocritical, can't stand her, fill in the blank. I understand what people are intending when they make that statement, I really do. And people may not love the church, but Jesus loves her. She's his church, his bride. He sacrificed for her. He died for her. And he sees something in her that often others don't see. And you and I are called to love her just as our Lord and Savior loves her. Friends, there is a lot of good going on in the church. There really is a lot that's right with the church. God knows what he's doing. The gates of hell will not win. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. God, you are so good, so kind, so loving. It's true what your word says, a God whose love never fails. Lord, we thank you for the church. We do. We know church can be frustrating. You know church can be frustrating. But God, you know what you're doing. And we're choosing to trust you in that. Lord, when we don't get it right, we ask for forgiveness. And we're going to continue asking for forgiveness. But Lord, we're going to try. We are going to try. Because your Holy Spirit is with us, guiding us, and leading us. Lord, we do look forward to that day when we will all gather with your Son at that great feast. God, we anticipate that day, but until then, let us be your hands and feet. Help us to be your witness. God, to bring others to you into this body, into this beautiful thing that you have created. We thank you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.